baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Conversation. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. I'm what you wanted. It's in your eyes. I'm picture perfect. I'm always right. I'm only vapor. It's only lies. We can be forest fires. Well, uh, I was just telling Abby, Sue, Scott Jennings is coming up a little later this hour. We, we always have this ongoing text string. Jennings and Joe Arnold and I, they're down in Louisville, big Cardinals fan. Jennings always on the CNN set trying to keep them sane on there. But the holidays have quieted us down. We, we Not a lot of back and forth on baseball. So I have not even caught up with Mr. Jennings on a personal note for a while. So I'm looking forward to his conversation. I really am kind of curious about his take on what's happening. He used to work in the White House with George W. Bush. He knows Capitol Hill very well, worked with uh, Mitch McConnell as well. So he knows how leadership votes work in and out. He'll have um, a take, a hot take, if you will, coming up. I also want to throw another invite out. I'm only going to do this for about another week, but we have or maybe not another week if we can just settle this right now. I've got just a few more spots literally um, left on the Spain trip, but I want to fill it up. And I talked to Mike Kenny last week, so we're going to try to put a, a push on here for the next couple of weeks. We're going to Spain. We'd love for you to come along April 23rd through the 30th. Um, we leave from St. Louis on the 23rd. It's a Sunday to a Sunday. You only have to take a week off. Madrid, Barcelona, it's going to be awesome. DefinedDestinations.com. Do you say how much it is? <clears throat> Well, the the pricing's up on the website, but okay. I think I think it's I can't quote it, but uh, I don't Ballpark. think the price four thousand right, per person. Okay, yeah, that's the, pretty darn good. Right, it's under it's under five. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because he secured this airfare in June, and you're going to get lots of free time, some structured time because he's got the local tour guides. You know, Mike knows all the people over there. Speaking of local tour guides, one of the people that he hooked us up with years ago was Linda Garofano, who is our tour guide in Italy, yeah. and we're going to hook up with her tomorrow because the funeral for the Pope. Oh, and I, I didn't also want to find that. out a little bit about what COVID's because they're always, you know, locking people down and doing stuff like that in Italy. So we'll we'll have Linda on the show tomorrow. But defineddestinations.com or just the top of my Twitter page, which is at Mark Reardon KFTK. I've pinned a tweet with all the details about Spain. Uh, Jennings coming up a little later. We have an audio cut of the day. The Missouri legislature is off and running. Not quite as much drama over leadership because they decided that a while ago. And I think this is the first time I can say this officially. New State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman is with us this afternoon. Senator, how are you? How about that? That feels good, right? (laughs) It it does feel pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. This is a fun day. (laughs) Yeah, congrats. So was the swearing in actually today? Yeah, today at noon. So we actually, I'm not quite used to Senate time. We started, the joke is that Senate time is like not real because it's so delayed. But we had a practice at 11 o'clock. And so I was the, you know, I got there at 11 o'clock and I was the only one in the chamber. It was totally empty. The the galleries were empty and I got to sit at my chair for the first time. And I got to, I just started giggling. It's such an incredible (laughs) honor and like such a funny thing to be like, oh my gosh, can't believe I get to do this. Well, there there are a bunch bunch of new classmates coming in with you, right? Nick was there, I'm sure, getting sworn in today and uh, a few other Republicans. It's a little funny because he's not sitting behind me. And the last four years in the House, he sat directly behind me. 
in the ha- and uh, he sits across the aisle from me across the well. So I don't, it's going to be a little unusual. We'll see what this is, is like. Is there already a different feeling? One of the things I've always said, and, and look, I don't know politics all that well outside of just blabbing about it for many years, but whenever I go to Washington, and I guess 20 years ago this started kicking in, I, I didn't realize at the time the stark differences between the House and the Senate in the sense that most, this is different in Missouri, Mary Elizabeth, but in, in Washington, like Eric Schmidt, for example, he's the new newly sworn in senator. They're way, way above those, you know, little house people. There's not <laughs> relationships. The house is such a small, tiny chamber compared to the United States Senate. There's just, you can feel the differences. And one would assume as a taxpayer that, you know, there's relationships between the house and the Senate. There aren't in Washington. Not that many. I can tell you that. That's different yeah, I mean, in Missouri. The dynamics, say, obviously, in local state governments differ. Yeah. So, I, you know, I obviously I served for four years in the House. I have a lot of friends in the House. What's different, though, is that my friends are all in leadership in the House. So this that was that's really funny, right? Like that's funny. John Patterson from Kansas City, uh, he's the new majority floor leader in the House. Um, he and I ran. You know, we got to know each other because we both had a hard primary before we ever took office. And then I'm a state senator and he's the majority floor leader. Like, I, that's it's just kind of fun. And um, yeah, but there is a difference from a like a, a weight. So it's not I'm not trying to say it's not an honor to serve in the House, but, I, it, you know, you're one of 34 in the Senate yeah. instead of one of 163. Right. There's a little bit of so, to it. Right. There's no doubt. Yeah, there is. There's just it's, there's a little bit of a difference. And so. Um, people call the House like the cafeteria, and they call the Senate like the library. Right. Um, I'm hopeful that that's, that will be good for my constituents and for our community. I always have been more at home in a library than in a cafeteria, so we'll see. Hopefully well, that works out. I want to talk about Missouri in, in some legislative priorities, but I, I have to ask you about—by the way, are you booked for the roundtable on Friday? I don't know. I am. I All just, right, good. I just confirmed. Right, because you were you're were, you were at the top of the list. But I, I bring it up because this will obviously be something we're going to talk about on Friday. What is your take on what's going on in Washington right now with McCarthy and everything? And I don't know how up to speed okay, you so are, but there's been six ballots. I'm not. I was going to ask you where where do things stand. The last okay. I heard, you know where we were this morning at about eight a.m. Adjourned at eleven. Yeah, we're at the same yeah, place. So I knew we're, they were going to come in. No, there's nothing. Oh. They've had six ballots now. Um, Chip Roy's currently on Fox explaining why he nominated. The congressman from Florida, which I, I think there, there's a part of me Wait, that what? no, 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 no. Um, what's his name here? Hold on. I'm forgetting his name. Byron Donald's African-American, which part of me is like, yeah, put that guy in there because the left's head will explode. But no, he um, he shifted to Byron Donald's. Donald's voted for himself. You've had a couple of people stick to the same way they voted yesterday for Jim Jordan or for Donald's or for Gates. Jim or, is still saying, no, I don't want it. Right. He's still saying. And then you have one member that basically an Indiana member that said, look, this is ridiculous. We need to at least adjourn this. But you might need Democrat votes if you can't get the 20s uh, to cross over and say, we just need to talk about this in conference. But they don't want to do that. So they're going to keep going. And I'm hearing from people on the Hill right now that the Democratic leadership has told their members, you best be prepared be prepared to stay the weekend. So this is not going to end right now. And I think McCarthy's going to hold out and see what happens. Hmm. Hmm. Well, thank God we don't have that drama here in Missouri. I think you've got a freshman class in the Senate and uh, newly elected House members who are committed to try to get to work for the people. So, I, Well, I, here's what you're going to do. I, I can already tell like because I have years? I have the Kansas City Star in front of me, the, the front page or one of the stories from the Kansas City Star. Here's what it says about the legislative session. Kaysen Bayless is the uh, reporter here. Missouri oh, Republicans. Sure. Yeah, this is going to be fair, right? Missouri Republicans yeah. target 
transgender athletes. You're going to target transgender athletes. That's what this is all about, right? I mean, I think that the guy at the grocery store would probably say we're protecting women's sports. But, you know, you do you can. Yeah, you do that's, you, what I would, that's what I would say. So let's talk about some of the priorities. And we've, we've done this before. But as we get off and running here with this session, what, what are the first things on the list for this legislature? Sure. So newly elected Senator Pro Tem, uh, Caleb Rowden, outlined the caucus's priorities in his speech today. And I thought he did a wonderful job. Uh, first and foremost, he t- was saying, you know, we've got to look at initiative petition reform. Uh, he's deeply concerned about how easily it is to meddle with the Constitution. Statutory changes, I think we should keep everything just exactly the same, uh, he was saying. But, you know, we've got to address we don't need all of these kinds of silly things in our Constitution like bingo. Um, it's just too unwieldy. Um, you know, broad caucus support for that. He talked a lot about education reform and how we have got to do everything we can to make sure that kids are graduating knowing how to read on grade level, doing math, that we not just stick our head in the sand and kind of pass pass along, um, that kids need to be able to have an access to an education that's not based only on the zip code they happen to reside in and their mom and dad's pocketbook. Um, we talked about addressing some of the programs that are hurting the working poor. Um, so he talked about we have some benefits cliffs problems where you know, it disincentivizes work. Uh, he talked about wanting to make sure that women and children, I'm sorry, women particularly who are pregnant don't get kicked off of Medicaid uh, that first year that they're able to have access to follow-up care. So kind of a broad swath of things. I haven't had a chance yet to hear what uh, Dean Plocker, the new Speaker of the House, was highlighting in his speech. But from what I hear, crime prevention um and initiative petition reform are the top of the House's priorities list. So it's going to be a busy session. Well, and let's talk about crime a little bit. So are, are we are we talking about maybe going back to the way it was here in St. Louis? Is there going to be a serious effort to, you know, get away from the local control and go back to the way it used to be to try to solve some of the things here in St. Louis? That's a serious effort that is already underway. So the, the Fraternal Order of Police is backing that. They feel very strongly about it. But there's some strong conservative voices who are concerned about doing that. Um, you know, there were concerns that changing the fitness test from 30 push-ups to 40 to be able to pass had to be done by the legislative body. And is that really appropriate? And maybe we should, you know, you don't want to just push the easy button and say, we're just going to take it back. That's a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, let's look at what is, what's actually causing these problems. There's three key components to ending crime. You've got to support your police officers. That's you know, obviously top of the list, but you also have to prosecute the criminals. That has to be at the top of the list. We've got to look at trying to make sure that people are there who will do that, or if they're unwilling to do it, that our, you know, attorney general, um, or that there's another mechanism in place for violent crime to be prosecuted. Um, you know, and then that third, that third piece of it is human dignity. I, do you remember when they were just lighting mattresses on fire in the city jail to try to get attention to the conditions that were happening oh, yeah. there for those inmates. Yeah. I mean, so this is this is a really complex problem that's going to take a lot to look at and 
just saying, oh, we should go back to local con- away from local control and take the state back to it. I understand why the police officers feel that way. I understand why they're pushing it. But I think it's going to be just a piece of the answer and not the entire answer. When it comes to the, the fiscal accountability of the legislature, first thing I hear this morning, I think I was listening to my former station, KMOX. I hear $6 billion surplus. The state, we've talked about this, Mary Elizabeth, $6 billion surplus. So in my tiny little mind, I think, why couldn't you just take, let's just take three of that and say, we're not going to spend three of that. We're going to invest that. We've got good interest rates. Maybe we can make some money on that. But let's take the other $3 billion and put it to use without raising people's taxes. And maybe even, obviously, there's been a uh, reduction in taxes recently. Some people want it to go further. But there's, there's a lot of opportunities here with all this money, and you don't have to just burn through it all. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to hear, you're probably going to see the House take a more moderate position on saving the rainy day fund. And I think the Senate is going to take a more aggressive spending mechanism. That typically is what happens. So I've heard everything from getting rid of the personal property tax and trying to restructure that people, you know, everybody's car values have gone up. I have a, I drive a suburban that has 160,000 miles on it and it, it's valued at more than I paid for it before I put 120,000 miles on it. It's ridiculous, right? uh, Come on guys. So People don't want to rent their stuff from the government. They want to look at personal property taxes. They want to look at the sales tax that's disproportionately hurting um, our working poor. They want to make sure that we're looking at things like, you know, it's not exciting to talk about, but Highway 70 hasn't had any investment and since it was initially there. So there's a lot of needs in the state. And then we have this little thing called the Hancock Amendment. Do you remember getting checks for 2 and $3 uh, because we had more money than we needed? So... Well, sadly, I'm old enough to uh, have been around reporting on the Hancock Amendment when the Hancock Amendment was passed 30 years ago. So uh, that makes me <laughs> yeah. feel that makes me feel old. I, I'm I'm tax dollars though. Let, let's talk about personal property tax. It's it's probably the most annoying thing in in the state of Missouri. Now, what people will tell you is, well, if we don't, if we take away the personal property taxes, then we're going to have taxes go up elsewhere. But this would seem to me to be the absolute opportunity to perhaps put the death knell on that thing. Yeah, I mean, and if, I you did, if Republicans were able to do that, boy, you'd have a lot of Democrats cheering you on. I promise you that. But they are going to well, take so it I, somewhere else. Well, but if you could, not well, with a six billion dollars surplus. A, I mean, we have a six billion dollars surplus, so we have a, a generational opportunity to really cut taxes. And I find in order the most egregious income tax, personal property tax, and then sales taxes on necessities. Ooh, the, problem, though, sure. the problem with personal property tax is that when you look at the way that that money is doled out, it goes to local municipalities, right? Local municipalities, so right. So you're that... going to have to take an entire look at the funding mechanism, right? Yeah, the problem yeah. with Missouri is not that we have such a high tax base overall. We're probably in the middle of the country in terms of total taxes that people pay, but it's death by a thousand cuts. So you pay 11% sales tax when you're at a TIF shopping at Target. You're going to pay your personal property taxes. You've got your real property taxes. You've got your income tax. You've got so people just feel like nickeled and dimed. But you're right. We can't just part of why we haven't made any real progress, I think, is you can't just pull on one thread. You know, the whole thing kind of unwinds. We have to think about what is the best way to support our economy? How do we make sure that the local governments have 
like, let's be clear what they need, not enough to have all these, exo- you know, exuberant. Well, you know, projects. here's a question along those lines. Here's a, here's an interesting question. And, and this is one of the reasons I think some of the Republicans that don't want to vote for McCarthy are not going to vote for McCarthy. And I understand this. Everybody has had to cut back. Right. Oh, I, for because sure. of inflation. And you you see that your money is not yeah. going far enough. If we would go through local governments and municipalities and school districts and things like that, would we find any sort of reduction in expenditures from year to year like most people have no, to deal with no, you wouldn't not. you wouldn't and it's ridiculous I so I, I, I apologize to, to those people who new. well I apologize to people who work in government but some of you are not necessary by the way some of you who used to come downtown and work in the city of St. Louis you don't even come here anymore I'd love to know what you're doing in your home because yeah. there's a lot of fat in government so why not have serious discussions? I can't imagine you couldn't get Democrats involved to say, yeah, we can we can probably help people who are burdened by this tax every year at this time. And let's face it, half the people, I don't know about half, but a lot of these people aren't even doing it because you can see the tags that are expired all over the state. Boy, that's the truth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All over the city. Gretchen Banger. That's like, I'm sorry. Uh, why do I always mix her up? She's a roundtable veteran, a state rep. She was an older woman for so long. She's so competent. She was leading the charge about these expired. Oh, Donna Berenger. Donna. Donna Berenger. Yes. Yes. They represent Donna Berenger. She just absolutely can't stand it. So, again, I think there's room for progress, but it's going to be we got to look at it systemically. We can't just kind of pull on the pull on those threads and see what happens. And I was talking to Senator, uh, former state Senator John Lamping, asking for his advice as I go into the chamber. And one of the things he was telling me is like, you have to start on the spending side, which is exactly what you're saying, right? You can't, you, yeah, you have to, right. you can't cut, you can't cut income taxes or any of these other taxes sustainably until you look at the waste in government. But it's always been amazing to me that you, you hear, and we're going to continue to hear about these. I mean, Salesforce today, I think, cut 10% of the workforce or whatever the number is. Everybody cuts workforce, right? Except for government. Government keeps getting fatter Boy, you're right. and more bloated. And there's no return on investment. I mean, look, one of the reasons I want Jim Jordan to take over as judiciary chairs, where the hell did all this money go to from the past three years? We need to take a, a look at that, a serious look at where the money went. Because there's a lot of money getting spent and sent out there to governments that we're sending from our paychecks. And I'd say the ROI is limited at best. Well, or you saw what I mean, what's happened with uh, the new electric vehicle? They gave a $7,500 credit. Did you see this? No. And GM raised their prices $7,500 day one of the new federal credit. But of course they did. Right. Exactly. Of course they did. I mean, the market is going to do what the market is going to do. Somebody I know needed a new furnace. And if they got put it, had it put in December 31st, it was $1,000 less because under this giant omnibus bill, there's now a $1,000 uh, tax credit. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, listen. Your spoiler. We got to go. We will see Friday on the roundtable, the first reading roundtable of the year. And congratulations on the swearing in today. We'll talk about All right, take care. Mary Elizabeth Coleman with us this afternoon. Scott Jennings, and on all the, he'll weigh in on all the madness inside the Beltway coming up next. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
All right, I spent some time at the um, beginning of the show talking about the chaos in Washington. I played this kind of want to play it again as we welcome in Scott Jennings. This is Congresswoman Victoria Sparks. She's from Indiana and had voted. Uh, I think she may have even voted for McCarthy. But anyway, her her last vote was present because she's saying we just got to figure this out. Well, I think it's important for us as Republicans to address concern and come to an agreement and don't waste everyone's time. We need to have further deliberation to make sure that we can elect a speaker. And Kevin still need to have a discussion with the members that have concerns if you want to be a speaker. So we need to go back to the conference room and have this discussion, not wasting time on the floor because no one is going to budge. It's not going to change. And I think we have a constitutional duty to elect the speaker. speaker but it's a deliberative process. This body needs to learn to deliberate and come to an agreement. Could have been Jaja or Eva Gabor, but it was Victoria Sparks. Scott Jennings with us from inside. Are you inside the Beltway? You're in Louisville right now. Are you in the uh, the chaos? No, no, I'm not in the chaos. I'm I'm uh, thankfully out here in Middle America in Kentucky tonight. Happy New Year, Jennings. How are you? I'm good, man. Happy New Year to you. I'm glad to be home for a change and uh, watching all this uh, chaos and drama unfold and hearing from my. Friends who are in the chamber, and and uh, not a one of them knows how it's going to end. Well, that that's what's interesting. You know, I love it. I, I was telling this story at the beginning of the show. So when when things happen, whether it's Missouri politics or St. Louis County or St. Louis City or national, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a fair amount of time. I call people like you and say, what the hell is really going on here? And everybody that I've asked that question to has no idea, really don't know how no, it's going to end, right? They don't. I, I know they've been meeting this afternoon, McCarthy, with the people who are against McCarthy and and they're supposed to come back in at 8 o'clock tonight. It strikes me, though, that inside the group of 20 that's against McCarthy, there are five who have said they are a no under all circumstances. You know, there may be people to peel off, but five's the magic number. He can only afford to lose four, and there have been these five people that have said, you know, it's uh, uh, hell no to McCarthy, right. period. And so, you know, they've already get, the thing about McCarthy is he's already given away everything you can give away. I mean, he he agreed to everything they asked for, and they still voted against him. They don't really understand, you know, the nature of transactional politics. You ask for stuff, I do it. You're supposed to do it. <laughs> You're supposed to hold up your end of the bargain, except these people never do. So I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, maybe he can find a way tonight, but it's far from certain. Let, let me play this. This is um, one of the opposition members, Scott Perry, Pennsylvania. Now, this is not about this is not about personalities. It's not about personalities. It's about personalities, isn't it, Scott? Yeah, it absolutely is. Scott Perry, by the way, is one of the geniuses who delivered the plan to ransack the Capitol on January the 6th. <laughs> so this is who McCarthy is dealing with. These are the people who always know best. These are the people who never recognize when the majority of a group wants to do something. These are the people who I'm always smarter than you. These are the shutdown people. I mean, this is who he's dealing with. They're not rational actors. They don't really want anything other than a scalp. So, yes, it is personal because it's Kevin McCarthy's scalp that they want. And uh, and I suspect uh, Perry will be one of the five that won't relent. But but aren't there only a couple of paths here? Either Kevin McCarthy keeps doing this and keeps doing it, which apparently they're doing because the vote totals keep being the same, or they have an alternative candidate that people can get behind and I don't know who that might be, and I've made this case, Scott, I think you would agree. Let's say Steve Scalise is that guy, right? Steve Scalise isn't going to operate any differently than Kevin McCarthy would as Speaker when it comes to priorities, would he? He would not operate any differently. It would give the people who are against McCarthy what they really want, a scalp. All they want to do is go on Fox News or Newsmax or whatever and say, 
look at us. We killed a bona fide member of the Washington establishment. We killed, you know, one of these swamp creatures. And, you know, that's that's what you sent us here to do is to kill these people off. One of them. That, that's it. That's all they want. And so, no, Scalise wouldn't be any different than Kevin McCarthy, but it would give them, you know, the scalp that they want and to fundraise off of, et cetera, et cetera. That's the thing. These folks, I don't really think, want a legislative outcome. I don't think they really want a procedural outcome. They just want the scalp. <laughs> and so if you're McCarthy, how do you negotiate with people uh, whose only desired outcome is for you to go away? There's nothing to give them uh, that would be acceptable. Uh, the one thing, the person that I've kind of paid more attention to perhaps is Chip Roy. And, and I, I like Chip Roy a little bit, and I, I think that he says things that make sense. But let me ask this from, from this position, because um, right before Christmas, the omnibus was voted on. We got a senator here who's no longer a senator. Eric Schmidt was sworn in yesterday, which is awesome. He's been a good friend for many years. Roy Blunt, though, was seen as the evil establishment. He was a guy that was compromising. And there were all these votes from Republicans, many of whom left office on that omnibus. Now, Congressman Davis came on yesterday. Rodney, I'm sure you know Rodney, former member now, because Mary Miller unfortunately beat him and talked about how, you know, there are constitutional requirements. TSA agents, the uh, well, I think they should not have gotten a raise, but they did. The border agents, the military are all covered under that omnibus. On the other hand, uh, Scott, I think people, Republican voters, conservatives, people worried about this could sit back potentially and say, look, you know, we, we just voted for you because we want some fiscal sanity. They don't understand the process. This is complicated. I get it. But doesn't that send a terrible message to voters a month and a half after the midterms that we don't really care about what you thought? Well, uh, look, the, the, the theory of the Chip Roy's of the world was that we should wait for the House Republicans to take the majority to then negotiate the government spending. These people can't even negotiate who the Speaker of the House is going to be. These people couldn't organize a two-car funeral right now, and we, we were going to trust them to organize the government spending. Like I totally agree. Omnibus is a terrible way to operate. This is not how it's supposed to be. It's not regular order. It's awful. It lacks transparency. This is what the Democrats produced. They were in control of the government. This is what they produced. This was the, the best deal we could get. If you're a Republican and you're a conservative and you want to find some silver lining in that deal, we got a massive increase in defense spending, good for our military, good for our veterans, good for our national security. And the Democrats didn't get much of anything in the way of their domestic priorities. That's okay. But I totally agree. It's a terrible way to operate the government. Uh, but but right now, the House Republicans, to me, don't look like they would have been able to do anything much at all because they can't even agree amongst themselves on who the leader is. So how could they have ever written a funding of uh, an appropriations bill? That's laughable. Well, there's I, the other thing I tried to do at the beginning of the show is kind of rein some of this back in, because let's face it, when those of us and you're more in this bubble than I am because I'm just a talk show host, but this is your world. I think we sometimes forget about the rest of the planet and the rest of the country and the people who are going about living their lives and. When all is said and done here, whoever the speaker is, I think Republicans are going to be just fine moving forward. This is part of the process. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a little confusing right now. And I don't know why these votes keep getting called when the end result is exactly the same. But I think to describe this in the way that certainly the Democrats have, because they love this, and even some Republicans is a little um, a little bit too yeah. hyperbolic, if you will. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the average person who's not locked into this, you know, on 24-7, like, some people are. They don't really care. I mean, honestly, there's probably some world where the Republican Party's uh, brand rating has never been higher. I mean, we've ground the government to a halt. The Congress can't do anything. To a lot of people, that's a good thing. <laughs> let's let's grind the Congress to a halt. Yeah. So they'll stop doing all the bad things uh, that we don't like it when they do. But I, I agree with you. It's a process issue. To the insiders, it's a big deal. 
eventually a speaker will be elected. The Republicans are going to do what they're going to do, which is investigate Joe Biden. They're going to pass some bills on the border. Uh, they're probably going to look at reigning in big tech. I mean, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do regardless of who the speaker is. Where the rubber hits the road will be when we hit our debt limit here in a few weeks. And the, the negotiations will take place between the Congress and the White House about raising the debt limit. And I think this speaker's battle is a preview of that. I mean, is there? do you see any world where this Republican conference is going to raise the debt limit? I don't. No. So that's the, that's the next thing. Is the United States going to default on its, on its uh, debts? And so – uh, th- to me, this whole week is really more about that than anything else. Scott Jennings with us, 97.1 FM Talk, political insider. It will be interesting to see what happens in the end. There's no doubt about that. I'm um, just as someone who likes to talk about these things from the sidelines. It's pretty exciting just because it's it's interesting. And I don't think anyone really knows and they're not making predictions, which is what I hear from you. You're not going to make a prediction, right? I'm not going to make a prediction. I mean, something will get settled. I, just, I do find it curious. You've got 222 people. 202 want to do one thing, 20 want to do something else. In virtually every organizational body in the world, public or private, 200 versus 202 versus 20, I mean, 202 will get, get its way, except in this case. And I, and I do think the average person is looking at it saying, well, wait a minute, 202 people want to do one thing, 20 want to do Why are 20 people in charge of 200 people? It does seem antithetical to the way the House normally works. The House is a majoritarian body. It's not like the Senate. You know, the Senate operates on the 60-vote threshold out of 100. It's weird. But the House basically operates on majorities. And right now, 20 people are <laughs> dictating to 200 what the, what's going to happen. And, and I don't really think they have a plan B, truthfully, that the 20 people who don't like McCarthy, they've not yet put up a viable alternative. No, there no. is no plan B. Chaos is plan but B. But you, you, I think you nailed it because – the the end goal here is getting his head, but the, they might get that end goal. They might, they might, and uh, and then. But I'll tell you this: whoever they put in in place of McCarthy, do you think they're going to leave that person alone? If they put in Steve Scalise, and in two weeks Steve Scalise does something they don't like, they'll be after him yeah, too. No, they'll say, oh, right. you know, well, well, he's he's worse than we thought. Now we got to get rid of him. It, this, this is a never-ending game for these people. They've never been more popular or relevant. Or uh, they've never gotten this much attention in their lives. I mean, Scott Perry, I mean, this guy, he, he's never been, you know, he's never had this much power. And so for them, it's not about the public service. It's about the attention and the power and the self-aggrandizement. And that's no way to run a party or a government. Well, and I won't play this, this audio again when you're here because it, it runs a minute 22. I played it earlier. How about Marjorie Taylor Greene on the other side of this, which is kind of crazy. She, she's ripping all these people the same way you are. Yeah, she's uh, obviously thrown in with McCarthy, and he obviously has given her whatever it is she asked for. But, you know, in, in, in this one, I mean, I'm normally critical of her because she's usually a Looney Tunes. In this one, in this <laughs> right, one instance, exactly. in this one instance, she's right. And, yeah. uh, and so good for her. I mean, that, but that's the thing. Out of 222 people, 202 are in the same place. So it's, you know, most of the Republicans are in the same place. Remember, they went to a conference vote. Eighty-five percent of the Republicans voted for McCarthy. I mean, this is not—it wasn't close. It's not like, you know, it's fifty-fifty in there, and he won by one vote. It was overwhelming, the support for McCarthy. So, that's what's so strange about this is that the idea that there's five people or ten people or twenty people who think they should be able to tell four hundred thirty-five, 
what to do. It's, it, it is really antithetical to the way this particular chamber is supposed to work. Did he not have really a choice? Because one of the questions that, that I think people I've had is usually when you're shepherding legislation, I mean, Nancy Pelosi would be a good example of this. You're not putting something up for a vote unless you have the votes, right? I mean, that's kind of there's backdoor deals that get done. You think you, the whip goes around, counts the votes. You got the votes, you yeah. move forward. In this case, he knew he didn't have the votes, didn't he? Yeah, but he didn't have a choice. I mean, Congress convenes when it convenes. You know, you, you can't you can't put off the opening of Congress. I think he thought that by going ahead and just moving forward that a lot of these people would cave. I'll be honest. I thought he was somewhere between five and ten were going to oppose him when the number was 19 and then 20. I was shocked. I, it oh, was okay. more than I had been led to believe were going to come out against him. And so obviously he had way more work to do than than a lot of us have been led to believe. Uh, but still, again, whether it's five or whether it's 20, the overwhelming number of Republicans still want him. There's not a viable alternative to him. So, again, I ask, what is plan B for the people who want to hold this thing up? Question. They don't have no, they, one. They, they, don't, haven't, they don't have one. Did you see, I retweeted this earlier. This was brilliant. They always are. The Babylon Bee's take on this? <laughs> no, what do they think? In an overnight vote, and they have a picture of the guy um, from behind the dais last year, Buffalo guy, elected Speaker of the House, you know, the uh, the crazy guy <laughs> who wore the, the hat that was represented by one of our lawyers here in St. Louis, by the way. Uh, Jennings, on a sad note, were you watching that Monday Night Football game? I was not watching the game. I saw the clip shortly after it happened, and oh my gosh, what a terrible thing. I'm glad this guy is apparently improving. Uh, I, I mean, just stunning, and... Uh, Honestly, given the size and speed of these players, it's sort of shocking, you know, the, that there aren't more serious uh, health injuries like that right out Why of Aren't you, you know, kind of surprised uh, as a baseball guy, you know, because there have been some really bad things that have happened. What was the, the pitcher? He just left the Cardinals a couple of years ago that got hit in the eye, and I had interviewed him. He wrote a book about this. Who am I thinking about? You're better at these names. But I'm, I'm actually surprised that something in Major League Baseball hasn't happened closer to this, where it looked like, because if we're being honest, those of us watching the game, we, we took a step back and said, did we watch someone just die in front of us? Yeah, uh, there was a hockey player a few years ago. Was it Chris Pronger? Chris Pronger. Yeah, we talked about that. That was like 20-something 20, 20 years ago, yeah. Yeah, he got hit in the chest. And, um, you know, there have been some, some baseball injuries where the ball has hit people in the eye and other places. But, but yeah, it, it's kind of stunning. But it, it speaks, I think, to the, to the level of fitness of these athletes, that they're able to absorb such, uh, such uh, you know, sort of violent blows to their body. But, you know, thankfully this guy – is going to make it, and people have uh, really rallied around him. And uh, I tell you, th- these athletes, man, they they put their bodies that they are in danger. <laughs> you know, they put their lives on the line in oh, some no ways. Doubt about on it. the line to, to entertain the rest of us. So prayers for him, and, and thank goodness he's going to make it. Producer Fred Bottomer saved me here. It was uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon who wrote a book Ponce about Leon. that. Yeah, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy story. Jennings, happy New Year. We'll be talking baseball before you know it. Uh, I can't wait. Thanks, Mark. All right, we'll see you. 50 years ago today, Sue. I my hair, it was just right. Greetings from Asbury Park. Wow. Yeah. 50 year anniversary of Greetings from Asbury Park. What a great song from Bruce Springsteen. Been covered many, many times. And of course, one of the things that I think people, um, well, maybe I think you do because you pay attention to things, but um, a couple of songs that became very popular off that record that were covered by Manfred Mann. Oh, I love Manfred Mann. By Bruce Springsteen. But um, Blinded by the Light, obviously, was a huge hit for Manfred Mann. And there's another one, too. What am I thinking of? You know, there were several albums that turned... For you. Well, they did for you also. for you. I came for you. Right. The uh, several albums turned 50 this year. Dark Side of the Moon from Pink Floyd. Uh, Queen's debut album, Queen. 
Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road from Elton John. All turned 50 this year. Those, you mean 2022 or 2023? 2023. Oh, so those are all for the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that man... What's interesting about that for me, and I, I certainly wasn't into the Springsteen till later, but 1973 was about the year that I started paying attention Clicking to music. In. It really is, because uh-huh. I was about, I turned, I would have turned eight years old in the spring, and I remember, what, what drove music for me is because, um, as I remember it, my father's probably listening right now, he used to listen to like... Uh, public radio back in the day mm. like what what's the the guy from minnesota the oh yeah the guy who you can hear guy. his nose hair what was, what was that i can't guy's think name? of anyway, his name it wasn't my deal anyway i would go to the pool when i was a kid and they'd play wls radio in chicago and i'd hear all these hits and i'm like wow that's kind of a fun song and i i remember i was just talking about this with somebody because um elton philadelphia freedom and someone saves my life tonight I don't know oh, if those, those were out in seven, but those were two of the songs that really got me into yeah. you know, pop and rock music. If they the were on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, but I don't know. Band on the Run, also turning 50 by Paul McCartney and Wings. Wow, we have a lot of... Yeah. Uh, you're not Okay, wait. Now i got to look at the track listing for Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> Remastered in 2014. Yeah, see I can't, what you can find. You know, we, here's the sad thing. We used to actually, you know... Um, and it's playing it. We used to remember all the tracks because when we all yes. listened to records, we we would know all the tracks and you'd hear songs that were never on the radio and it'd be one of your favorite songs, yeah, right? True. Uh, that does not happen anymore. All right, hang on. Now, Elton's got so many damn albums, I got to go back and I know. try to figure it out, right? Goodbye, Elton, 1973. David Bowie's oh, Aladdin man, Sane. For a friend. Oh, wow. Um, those songs that I mentioned are not on that record. All the big Elton fans are okay. going to say, no, you you should know that. Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, Benny and the Jets. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, what a great... And see, I'm going to listen to this tonight. Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? There you go. Really, really good. All right. Oh, Philadelphia Freedom was on that. It was. Okay. That makes more sense. Yeah, it does. All right. I feel better. Okay. I feel a little bit better. Uh, I think what else do I have to do here before cut of the day? I just want to wrap this up because I was getting... I don't like to tangle with friends on politics. Yeah. Because that There's ends no friend. point. But I, I just had somebody that poked the bear, a friend, who sent me a text that said, all right, my... Schadenfreude for the situation has turned to sympathy and actual concern for the country. What a party. And here was my response. I said, I'm honestly not sure what the issue is. I said, I mean, it's an issue for the party, but who cares? Eventually, there'll be a speaker. And I think, going back to what Jennings said, I think we're better off if they do nothing anyway. There's too much hyperbole about all this. It doesn't affect regular people, not in the immediate Right. Okay. In, of course, right. obviously, it affects people. It's great for CNN. It's great for Fox. It's great for me. But really, it's part of the process. And I feel that the holdouts, for the most parts, are idiots. I do like some of the things that Chip Roy is saying. I understand the points, but they have the right. It's part of the process. In the end, it means nothing. And I'd say you want to talk sad for the country. I, th- I think sad for the country is tent cities and urban areas that are flooded with undocumented citizens and all the crime. That affects real people. Right. And you know what else is sad for our country? I, and I would put this up against those of you who have friends that are going to do this to you, oh, your party. You know what I'd put up against any day, any debacle that's happening right now with Kevin McCarthy, and I'd raise you a couple hundred thousand, our vice president. <laughs> right? Do mean, they? What do they say? Is there a well, defense? Well, I'll see if there's a response. It's, it's never, again, though, this is someone I don't usually engage in politics with, so I, I decided to do it. We'll see what the response is. Now, the audio cut of the day. Ah, hell, I talked about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Why not just, and I don't agree with everything here because she likes to demonize Paul Ryan, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, because apparently Kevin McCarthy is cutting her a sweet deal, is saying these holdouts are nuts. Let me remind everyone this. Matt Gates, who has compared Kevin McCarthy to Paul Ryan, my friend Matt Gates, 
He supported Paul Ryan almost more than anyone. It's still on his social media. As a matter of fact, his first vote in Congress was for Paul Ryan as Speaker. And then he cheered him on for nearly a year and a half or more when people like me were at home furious at Paul Ryan's speakership. Because Now, I do like this bite, but I will say that if you think that this is the best and the brightest of leadership in this country and people we elected, I would say it's not. It wasn't passing the MAGA agenda that we all supported. Chip Roy, he refused to object on January 6th. That's not what our base wanted. He also set out the vote for the January 6th committee. There's many more. Bob Good, $2 million from Kevin McCarthy to get elected. Lauren Boebert, under $2 million from Kevin McCarthy to get elected. Many more people have taken Kevin McCarthy's money to get elected. And then there's a few of them that don't want to support him as speaker. So I like Mike Gallagher. I don't know this guy. He's from, um, I think he represents the Green Bay area of Wisconsin. He made a Packers crack today when he was nominated. Because what they do is they, they vote. And then McCarthy loses, and then someone else has to put the nomination up. So Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin was one of the guys that put up McCarthy's name today. In some ways, they're salivating. There's headlines about the chaos, this and that. Yesterday, our colleagues on the other side of the aisle were tweeting their bags of popcorn that they had out. They love it. The schadenfreude is palpable. But I think my friends on the Democratic side misunderstand what's happening here. Sure, it looks messy. But democracy is messy. Democracy is messy. Exactly. By, by design. By design. And that's a feature, that's a feature, not a bug of our system. We air it all out in the open for the American people to see. Because at the end of the day, the president's not in charge. The Supreme Court's not in charge. The Speaker of the House is not even in charge. The American people are in charge. I kind of liked what Mike Gallagher had to say, and he's right about that. And it's the winners. What he was saying at the beginning is along the lines of what I was saying is the winners of the media. That's who loves this right now. There's going to be a speaker. We're going to be okay. And as Jennings indicated, they're not doing anything. They're not passing any stupid things right now. Let's keep that going for a little while. And happy birthday to greetings from Asbury Park. We'll talk tomorrow. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.